Hey, welcome to episode number 72 of More Than Bread. If this is your first episode of More Than Bread and you don't know who I am, well, you should go back to at least episode number 67, which is where we restarted for this year. That will take you to the beginning of our deep dive into the Gospel of Mark. Or if you go back to episode 43, you can make your way through John's Gospel as well. Or go all the way back to number one for our 40 plus episode journey through the whole New Testament. But if you aren't going back, then I'm Dan. I'm your host for More Than Bread, a podcast that focuses on listening to, learning from, and leaning into the Bible. Listening to is, is not just listening to my words, but it's waiting for that moment when the Holy Spirit kind of pokes and prods and, and takes a word, a sentence, an idea from Scripture and says, this is, this is what I have for you today. That's listening, not just listening to, to Scripture, but listening to the voice of God through the Scripture. Learning from the Bible means learning the principles and the promises and, and the ways to live life. Learning about who Jesus is is a big part of it in the Gospel of Mark. And then finally, leaning into the Bible. What's your next step? Because of what you listen to today, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? That's the leaning into the Bible. So today we're still in Mark chapter 1, but at least we've moved on to the second part of Luke, of Mark chapter 1. And already multiple times you've heard the phrase, the kingdom of God. Jesus is the king and his kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. This is the good news. The kingdom has come. The kingdom is near. It's in our midst. We don't use that word kingdom very much today. But in Jesus' day, they used it all the time. They understood it a little bit better probably than we do, what a kingdom was all about. In a biblical sense, everyone has a kingdom. Your kingdom is whatever you can control. Let me say that again. Your kingdom is whatever you control. (laughs) In fact, I would say in in our country, um, one of our our great goals is to expand our kingdom. We want to expand our control. John Orberg calls your kingdom that little sphere in which what you say goes. It's the range of your effective will. So kingdom is is really kind of your effective reach. Like I was just thinking about this. I remember as a kid when we'd go on family vacations, many years our trip was from South Dakota where I grew up to California where most of my relatives live uh, to, to visit them. And, and sitting in a car with four other siblings on a three-day journey is all about protecting and expanding your kitty-sized kingdom, right? You, you maybe remember that. You maybe did it. You you kind of draw a line on the seat. My kingdom starts here. Thou shalt not cross that line. But of course, they always do. They always do because your brothers and sisters are trying to expand their kingdom. What we see evidence of this, I don't even have to mention the names. We see evidence of this around the world. Countries trying to expand their kingdom. And, and so you're in the car and you resort to the master of a larger kingdom. Dad, Kim touched me. She reached over the line and she touched me. It's not my fault, Dad, Kim responds. He has, he has too much space. And, and sooner or later, if your dad was anything like my dad, dad turns around and what does he say? You better stop fighting or I'm going to come back there. <laughs> and why does he say that? Because he believes that the whole car is his kingdom. And as a kid, you're thinking, nah, he won't do that. I'm safe in my own little kingdom. And then he taps on the brakes and starts pulling over to the side. And you know those kids are not praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the back seat as it is in the front seat. Your kingdom goes as far as you can reach, as far as you can control, which is always a a bit less than we think. What is your kingdom? 
And here's my question. What is your kingdom, and is it better than the kingdom of God? Listen as I read Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20 from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Later on, after Jesus was arrested, after, excuse me, John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come. At last, he announced the kingdom of God. There it is. The kingdom of God is near. It's close. It's here. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Now my words here, but but just realize... They're giving up their kingdom. When you say, I'm going to follow someone, in essence, you're saying, I'm going to become a part of your kingdom. They're saying, Jesus, I'm going to become a part of your kingdom. Hmm. I'll be honest, this seems kind of strange, right? This guy, Jesus, just comes up and says, follow me, and they drop what they're doing, and they go. They go immediately. Seems kind of rash, If some guy walked up to me and asked me to follow him, I'd have some questions, right? Like, where are we going? What are we going to do? How how long am I going to be gone? When are we going to leave? Can I keep my stuff? How is this going to work out? Where will I end up? Can Can I talk to my family about it first? When Jesus comes calling, we have all sorts of questions, don't we? And to be honest, I, I think the only answer available to us is the same answer that was available to them. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent. Remember that word means change your mind or change your direction. Repent and believe the good news. Come, follow me. In other words, good news, the kingdom is near. You're not far from the kingdom of God. It's closer than you think. Now, as we read the Gospels, we discover that though the disciples didn't really understand this kingdom story, they did understand that it was about coming alive. They believed that the kingdom of God was the story that they had been waiting for all their lives. These men were looking for something more. They lived in a time when so many hopes and dreams seemed out of reach, especially for them and their people. Politics, economy, religion, all of it had left them lacking. And and this rabbi comes talking about a new kingdom, a new hope, a new vision, a better future. See, before Jesus was a savior... (laughs) He was a first century Jewish rabbi. Ray Vanderlaan has spoken a lot about this. 14 times in the New Testament, Jesus is called rabbi. To be called a rabbi in this culture was a high honor. We've, we've talked a little bit about this already. Life revolved around the Torah, and rabbis were, were kind of like the embodiment of the Torah. For a young boy growing up in Israel, to become a rabbi, that was the greatest thing that could happen to you. Today's equivalent of a professional sports athlete. Uh, instruction in the Torah started around age six. About eight or nine years later, the best of the best of the best would, would seek out a rabbi to follow. They'd go to a rabbi and ask to be one of his Talmudim, one of his disciples. I want to follow you, they would say. And, and the Talmudim's goal was, was more than just learning a rabbi's knowledge. It wasn't just content. The goal was to be like him, like his character, content and character. The goal was to be like him in every aspect of life. You know, I, I think sometimes today we're, we're 
we're a lot more concerned with learning about Jesus than we are in following Jesus, being like him in every aspect of life. As people would come to the rabbi, the rabbi would screen potential followers, and the driving question the rabbi always had to ask was, does this person have what it takes to become like me? So at about 14 or 15 years old, the best of the best would go find a rabbi that they admired, and they would ask, can I be one of your Talmudim? I want to be just like you. The rabbi would give them a test, a rat test, (laughs) a rabbi achievement test, And, and if they passed it, they'd get a yes, big, big deal, like getting into honors college or or, or getting the, the, the corner office, making the football team. But usually the answer was no. Usually. Usually the rabbi would say no. The rabbi may, might say something like, it's obvious you love God and you love his word, and that's a really good thing, but you don't have what it takes to be one of my Talmudim. So go home, get married, raise a family, love God, and, and be a fisherman. And then along came Jesus. This rabbi who didn't just teach, he had power. He, he began to do things and word spread because there had never been a rabbi like this who could do what he could do. And pretty soon everyone wanted to be his disciple, his Talmudim, a rabbi with power who touches people and heals them, not, not only on the outside, but on the inside. And when he talks about God, people's hearts are stirred up with hope. And, and so when he comes to James and John and Peter and Andrew, what are they doing? They're fishing. <laughs> They're fishing. You, you know what that means means they flunked their rats. (laughs) They didn't do well on their rabbi achievement test. No rabbi would have them. They didn't make the cut. They weren't smart enough, or maybe they weren't spiritual enough. And and this rabbi comes along to these rabbi-schooled dropouts, these rejects, and and he says, you, and you, and you, and you, come follow me. I see something in you. I believe that you have what it takes. You have what it takes to the whole world may think that you're just a fisherman, you're just broken, you're just a failure, you're just, 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 you're just a single parent. <laughs> you're just a, a whatever the world has decided you are. The, your past has destroyed your future. The whole world may think that you're common and ordinary, but I'm telling you, through you, I will reveal my heart and my glory. Jesus says to them, listen, he's, say, he's saying to you right now, I know the end of your story, and I choose you. My goodness, no wonder they followed Jesus immediately. Listen, if Jesus calls you, it's because he knows that when the Holy Spirit of God gets moving in your heart, you will have what it takes to follow him. He's saying, I see something in you, and I choose you to follow me. You have what it takes. So here's Peter and Andrew. Jesus says, come follow me. Immediately, they left their nets. There's James and John. Jesus says, come follow me. And immediately they left their father and and the family business. Don't miss this. You cannot follow Jesus without leaving something behind. When Jesus calls you, what will you have to leave behind? Some of us haven't been willing to follow because we're too afraid of what we're going to have to leave behind. This is the essence of the word repent. I've I've mentioned that word a number of times, highlighted it. What, what comes to your mind when you hear that word? Throughout the New Testament, the word repent is tied to the good news. Repent and believe, Jesus says. Repent simply means to change your mind, to go in a different direction, to start thinking and living differently. Eugene Peterson writes, the first step towards God is a step away from the lies of the world 
And it's deciding that God in Jesus Christ is telling you the truth. Repentance is a realization that what God wants from you and what you want from God are not going to be achieved by doing the same old things and thinking the same old thoughts. In other words, this call to repentance is a call to leave something behind. If we say yes to Jesus, if we decide to follow him, we will be leaving something behind. What is that for you? Maybe there's a lie that you need to leave behind. A lie about God or about life or maybe about yourself. Maybe it's bitterness. You're hanging on to it, thinking it gives you energy to make it through your day, but it's actually sucking the life out of you. Maybe it's a dream or a goal, not a bad one, but he has something better. You won't find his better unless you leave behind your good. <laughs> if God would have been talking to me that day, he would have talked about football. I I, I played football in high school and college. Division three, not a big deal. <laughs> In in high school, I played for a nine-man team. We we couldn't even get enough to play 11-man. But football was kind of my life. Jesus would have come to me on the day I was chosen the top defensive end for the state of South Dakota. On the day we beat St. John's in, in college and said, Dan, do you want this to be the best moment of your life? Or do you want to come and follow me? And I'll put you on a team that will win far more than the Super Bowl. I'll make you a life coach of of men, people. Best decision I ever made. You have what it takes to be on his team. You have what it takes to follow him. You have what it takes to make a difference. But you may have to leave something behind in order to gain it. Let me read that short passage again. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20 from the message. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee preaching the message of God. Time's up. God's kingdom is here. Change your life and believe the message. Passing along the beach of Lake Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew net fishing. Fishing was their regular work. And Jesus said to them, come with me. I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask questions. They just dropped their nets and followed A dozen yards or so down the beach, he saw the brothers James and John, Zebedee's sons. They were in the boat mending their fishnets. And right off, he made the same offer. And immediately they left their father Zebedee, the boat, and the hired hands. And they followed. They followed. Father, with all my heart, I believe that there are some people listening to this that need to know that they have what it takes. They've listened to the lies of the enemy. They've listened to the lies of the world, maybe even... The, the lies of a wounded and broken father and mother who said, you, you don't have what it takes. You'll never be any good. You'll never amount to anything. Father, for whatever reason, there, there's people listening who, who just need to know that they have what it takes, that, that when you look at them, you see something in them. You see you in them. You see the Spirit of God. You see the image of God. They're created in your image. You, you see a good thing, a masterpiece in progress. I pray that they wouldn't listen to the lies of the enemy. I pray that they wouldn't listen to the shame of the world. I pray that they would know that you see something in them, that you please, that they please you, that they bring you joy. And, and I pray, Father, God, that, that we would be willing to leave behind our kingdom in order to be a part of your kingdom. I believe these last few years have, have been all about showing us the, the brokenness, the the disrepair of our kingdoms, and the beauty of your kingdom. May we pursue that with all our hearts. In Jesus' name.
we pray. Amen.